Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you're doing well and are blessed. And everything is good with us, with our family. Actually, you know, I've been home since this uh, total lockdown began on in the middle of March. I came home on the 18th of March from Australia. And that was an adventure getting home. But then I came home and I've been home since then, since that day. So it's been um, March, April, May, June. It's been three and a half months that I've been at home. And uh, as, as you understand, most of our work is in Africa. And then we do some in Asia. And those countries are closed right now. Uh, and uh, also, even when they open up, they, they, they don't really want Americans to come there right now. I have two passports. I have a Swedish passport and an American passport because my family and I, we are dual citizens. But they don't want either uh, Americans, neither Americans nor Swedes there because they feel that our the American and Sweden have both not handled the, uh, you know, the COVID-19 infection very well. And so while the rest of the world, the infection rate is going down here, it's going up. And so, you know, so let's just pray. I just ask you for your prayers that uh, this thing would subside soon and that we, that the nations would be open for us to go and preach the gospel. So that's why I took this opportunity to, you know, to record these uh, uh, YouTube videos and to start teaching the word. And I'm really I'm having a ball. I'm really enjoying myself doing this. And um, and uh, so th this is great. And uh, so it's a blessing and I hope it's a blessing to you. So it'll be good to hear from you. And also it will get to hear testimonies of what the Lord has done in your life through these teachings and how you have been encouraged because I'm going to teach on more subjects after this and it will really help me to, you know, to focus on certain things and all that so, uh, so that I can do it better. So it'd be great to hear from you and wherever in the world you are and God bless you. Anyway, we are talking about the subject of the, of the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we are at point number five because we are talking about the power of the blood of Jesus, what the blood of Jesus has done for us and can do for us. And now we are talking about the blood of Jesus justifies us. The blood of Jesus justifies us. To be justified means to, it's, it's actually a, um, it, it means that God has made us just and he treats us as though we have never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. That uh, God, and this is very special. It's not just that we are forgiven because you see sometimes you know you hear of people who you know who go to prison for their crimes and then they say after they come out of prison they have paid their dues uh, they have paid yes in a way they have but really they have not because they end up in that uh, felons register for the rest of their life it ends up on their record and if especially if it's a guy has if a guy has committed a murder he can do you know that he can never hold a passport or leave the country the rest of his life even though he has paid his dues. But here, it's not just that, uh, that the blood of Jesus, uh, that Jesus takes our punishment, but our name still ends up in some kind of register that God maintains and that he remembers what we have done. Although we are forgiven, it's still on the register. No, God treats us as if we have never sinned. Just think of it. 
Do you think of your life and I think of my life and I have done some terrible things in my life and I'm sure you have done bad things in our lives. We all have those things, but we have been justified means that God treats us. We are justified and we are treated by God as if we have never sinned. So let me, let's look at Romans chapter three, verses 24 to 25. It says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, which means that we have been justified we have been uh, made right and just freely by his grace. That means there's no limit to this justification. There's no caveats attached to it that, well, I forgive you, but, you know, <laughs> there's nothing of that sort. We are justified freely by the grace of God, by the grace of God. And grace um, is God's unmerited favor and um, and, uh, you know, undeserved, unmerited favor. He treats us, uh, actually, to have God's favor means, actually would mean to be treated like his favorite. The only thing is that you are not the only favorite. I am also his favorite. We are all his favorites. But he treats each one of us as if we are special. We are his favorite. And so uh, that's what grace means, to be given this free, unlimited, unmerited grace he just gives it to us, not because we have done anything to deserve it, but because of his love for us, because of his goodness towards us, which was manifested when Jesus died upon the cross and shed his own blood for us. So it says that we have been justified freely. That means without any limit, we have been made just. And, uh, and it's not just imputed justification. We have actually been made just. Because imputed justification means that, well, God counts you as just, but you are not really just. And why am I not really just? Well, the only way I'm not really just, but God counts me as just, is that God looks at my flesh and looks at my conduct. And then he says, you know, you're not really just, but I'm being good to you. I'm counting you as just. No, that's not what God <coughs> looks at us. Imputed here doesn't mean that he counts us as something which we are not. Imputed means that this is something that is given to us, that is imputed to us, that is given to us. Amen. So, uh, you know, he, he gives us something and he makes us that, you know, it is, it is who we are. We are just. It's not just that we are counted as just, but God has made us just through the redemption in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. And all this was done by the precious blood of Jesus. This justification, this wonderful uh, state of being treated as if we have never seen this was purchased for us by Jesus Christ, by his blood through faith. And we receive it by faith. We receive all the blessings of the blood of Jesus by faith. It says to demonstrate, and God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. 
because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That means that in his mercy, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That means that all the all the sins that we had previously committed, he just, God just passed over them and washed them away and they don't exist anymore. Now, Romans 5, 9 says, it says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Hallelujah. It means that now that we have been justified through his blood, our future is also secured because we shall be saved from wrath through him. And, and the wrath that he's referring to is the final judgment. When God's wrath, when God's anger will come upon the unrighteous and those who commit iniquity and they shall be judged. And so he says, we shall be saved from that wrath. You know, there will come a day of reckoning. There will come a day of judgment. <coughs> I'm sorry, it's this air, air conditioning that uh, makes me ticklish on my throat, makes me uh, want to cough. Okay, so it says that now that we have been justified by his blood, it says, having now been justified by his blood. That means that our justification isn't something we should strive for. It is already given to me. I am already loved by God. I am already accepted by God. I am already counted as being right with him. And you too, you are already loved by God. You're already accepted by God. And God has passed over all your sins. And he doesn't look at you in the light of your flesh, of your misdeeds or your weaknesses. But he looks at you through the blood of Jesus and you are justified. We have been justified. And because you and I have been justified, we shall be saved from that final wrath, from the final judgment through Jesus. Amen. And then in Jeremiah 31 verse 34, this is a promise of God. He says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That means that we, uh, God not only forgives us our iniquities, not only does he completely forgive us our iniquities, but it says he will not remember our sins anymore. So if you, this would mean that if you came to God and you say, oh God, you know, those terrible things I did like 20 years ago and how I lived before I was saved. And God will say, I don't know what you're talking about because that's what it actually means. Literally means I will remember their sin no more. That God has forgotten our sins. Hallelujah. All the things that we did in the past, God has actually forgotten them. And it is also good for you and I that we forget them too. But there is somebody who doesn't want us to forget those things, who continually brings us into remembrance of our past misdeeds and failings. And that is the devil. Because the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So he brings up our past failures and misdeeds. And why? Because uh, he wants to use uh, those things to remind us that, oh, so you think you're holy and blameless in your sight. You think God will hear your prayers. You think Jesus loves you. Look at all these horrific things that you have done. And those things stay alive in our minds. And as long as they stay alive in our minds, that's what the devil uses to defeat us. 
but it is very important that, you know, uh, we talked about the renewal of the mind when I talked about grace and faith. Renewal of the mind actually means that we begin to think in line with God's word. That's what it means because it is human. Listen, it is human to think this way because we live, this is it. This is the world we live in and we have faults, we have failures. Yes, we do. All of us do. Some people pretend they don't, but they are the biggest liars of all, I'd say. We all have our things. But the thing is that Jesus is, has forgotten all our sins. We have been justified. He says, I will forgive the iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And the devil would want to bring those things to your remembrance because he wants to hinder and to hamper your faith walk and your confidence before God. Because if he can rob you of your confidence before God, you will be a weakling in faith. You will never see answers to prayer. So that's why we have to renew our mind and, and we have to start thinking in line, not with how we feel, because you can't let your feelings dictate to you because one day you feel good, you feel top of the world, you're victorious in Christ. The next day you feel down because the devil is extra busy bringing you that stuff. And so what happens that you are kind of led here, hither and thither by every wind that blows your way. And God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to stand solid and standing solid means we we align our minds, we, we, we reprogram, let me use that word, and you know, we reprogram, retrain our mind to think in line with what God thinks of us. So God says that uh, my sins have been forgiven, have been forgiven, I am justified by his blood, and God doesn't remember my sins, he accepts me just as the way I am. Amen. So, you know, we, we do that by meditating on this word and by speaking this word, speaking to yourself. The Bible tells us how David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And that is how we encourage ourselves in the Lord. In my moments when I'm alone, I always say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm justified. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't remember my sins anymore. I thank you that my sins have been washed away in your blood and you don't remember them anymore. And I am righteous and holy and blameless in your sight. And you begin to, that's how you speak the word of God into your own mind, into your own spirit and build yourself up. Okay, let's look at Psalm 103 verses 10 to 12. Psalm 103 verses 10 to 12. It says, he has not dealt us, dealt with us after our sins, not, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That means that God, he does not deal with us after our sins nor does he reward us according to our iniquities. I think that this is amazing because honestly, uh, traditional religion, and when I say traditional religion, even in churches, they don't really believe this. They don't really believe this. They, they actually believe that God will deal with us after our faults and, and, and sins and, and what's happened. He's going to reward our iniquities. We shall reap what we sow. And, uh, and then what happens is that so, so people try to do their best to be pleasing to God. And instead of grace, instead of faith, they end up in works, in religious works to, to try to please God. And the more they try to please God, the more they fail. And so what happens, that's why churches have these self-made list of rules. You know, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. Some of them are from the Old Testament and the rest of them are just man-made 
denominational church rules, you know, and they really have no anchor in the Bible. But people believe them because they think that if we don't do, if we don't have those things, people will sin. But the, sometimes the problem is that people sin because they have these things, because no man in his own flesh can meet the exacting uh, standards of the law of Moses. Nobody can. Doesn't matter how hard you try. You can change your outward behavior, but inside the heart will still be the same. And so uh, it is important for us to remember that, that God looks at us through Christ. And you know, as long as we are walking and living in Christ, we are free from the law because we don't serve the law of sin, but we live in the law of the spirit of life, which has set free uh, has set us free from the law of sin and death. If any person is in Christ, that means he places his life in the hands of Jesus and he says, my life is hidden in God. That person will not willfully go out and sin, right? A person who, who really lives and walks in Christ and he puts his total trust and his life in the hands of Jesus Christ will not go out and sin. Now, there is a kind of people who do sin, who are kind of cynical. They like teaching on grace and because they think it gives them the license to sin. But the problem is that when people sin against grace, they end up under the law. The Bible tells us very clearly that if you're a fornicator, you say you're a Christian, but you, are a, you go out and you fornicate, you commit adultery and there's no repentance in your life and you're just cynical and, and, and you try to you know, stretch the grace of God to suit your own flesh. The Bible does say you will end up under the law and once you end up uh, under the law, you're outside of Christ and you'll be judged under the law and you'll get the curse of the law. You'll have the curse of the law over you. But the truth is that when we are in Christ, we see this, that God is merciful to us and he takes us as we spend time beholding the face of the Lord. He takes us from glory to glory and this is how he treats us when we are walking with him. This is what he looks at us and it has nothing to do with our shortcomings and failures, but it has to do with our heart for God and how we walk with him and his love for us and his dealings with us. It says he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Praise God, because I know this, that if he dealt with me according to my sins and he rewarded me according to my iniquities, I would be a goner many, many years ago. I wouldn't be sitting here teaching you the word of God, but he has not rewarded me according to his of my iniquities, but he has rewarded me according to his grace. He has not dealt with me according to my sins, but he has dealt with me according to his mercy, according to his love. And that's why I always say the grace of God produces holiness, because if you're in my position, and you realize that you have received far more from Jesus than you have ever deserved in his life, you develop an attitude and you say, Lord, uh, you have done so much for me, more than what I have deserved. You have blessed me so much in spite of my shortcomings. I will not allow anything in my life that will cloud my communion with you, but I want to walk with you. And that is the fear of God. That is what produces true holiness and purity and brings growth through our lives when we walk with Jesus. Anyway, so it says verse 11 in Psalm 103, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. So how, how, how great is the mercy of God towards those who fear him? Again, 
the mercy of God is not towards those who rebel against him. I mean, he loves them too, but they choose to push the mercy of God away. But his mercy is towards those that fear him, those who honor him, those who revere him. It says his, his mercy, it says is how high is his mercy towards us as the heaven is above the earth. So how high are the heavens above the earth? How many kilometers, how many meters, how many miles? We don't know, but on a clear sky, when I look out the window and I look at the stars, you know, some of them are billions and billions of miles away. They're trillions of miles away. They are farther than any instrument on earth can measure. So great is his mercy up to those who fear him, the mercy of God. And all this is because we have been justified by his blood. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Then it says, I like this, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So what has he done with our sins and transgressions? He has removed them from me as far as the east is from the west. Now I want you to notice, he didn't say he has removed them from us as far as the north is to the south because north and south are actually two fixed points on the earth. You have the North Pole, that is ultimate north, that is far, that's the extreme north, zero degrees north. Then you have zero degrees south, which is called the South Pole. And I, th I don't know the exact uh, distance, but it should be somewhere around um, 10 to 11,000 miles. The, circum the circumference of the earth is about 21,000 miles. So you can say it's about 10 to 11,000 miles, plus minus, little bit more or less. So if you want to know how far the north is from the south, you can say, well, it's maybe 10, 11,000 miles. So that would mean that God has removed our sins 10 to 11,000 miles away from us. But it doesn't say that. It says as far as the east is from the west. How far is the east is from the west? You don't know because you can get on a plane and start flying west and you can keep on flying west and keep on flying west and keep on flying west. You can go round and round and round and you can circumnavigate the globe the rest of your life. You can travel millions of miles and you will never reach that ultimate place called West because West is not a place, it's a direction. So this is the wisdom of God. If he had said, as far as the North is from the South, I shall uh, remove your sins from you. And so that means that, okay, so he's removed my sins 11, 12,000 miles away. But here it means that he has removed my transgressions from us to an infinite distance, infinite. I mean, it's a never ending distance. There is no limit to it. I can, you can, from the east to the west is a distance that cannot be measured. It goes on and on and on. And this is the mercy of God. Through his precious blood, he has justified us and he has taken my sins away and removed them as far as the east is from the west to an infinite distance away. And that is why he says, I will remember them no more. I will forget them no more. Now, I will not, I will forget them and I will not remember them no more. Now, let me <coughs> end this lesson with a story. And this is uh, uh, from a member of our family. And... Uh, my wife's family also, actually. This lady was uh, 
was an aunt and she was a she was a very when when I met my wife's family she this lady was uh, uh, one of the few Christians in the family and she was a godly woman she was a and she used to like me I don't know for some reason she took a liking to me she was very old so whenever whenever I went to the village I always went to see her and you know spend time with her talk to this old lady and she always used to say she used to say oh Christopher could you please pray for me yes auntie what shall we pray for and there was always something wrong something physical physically wrong she was not well so I would pray for her and um, and and she would you know she would receive prayer lay hands on her pray for her and then when I finished I say amen she would say amen then she would say do you think God God will heal me I said, of course, auntie. Yes, we have prayed in the name of Jesus and he hears us. Yeah, but do you think Jesus still loves me? I said, why are you saying this, auntie? You're a godly woman. I mean, you know, and she says, no, but uh, I have done some bad things. I said, what have you done? Well, no, I've done some bad things. So it was always like that. Every time I'd go and she would ask me for prayer. And when we'd finish praying, she'd always ask me, do you think Jesus still loves me? Do you think God will heal me? because I've done bad things. So one day I asked my wife, I said, what is this that auntie is talking about, bad things? And then she told me the story. Well, this is the story. So when she was a teenager, uh, she had a child uh, when she was, you know, out of wedlock. So I think she was 17 or something. And she had a child. And, um, and in those days, back in those days, I'm talking about, you know, 60 years ago or whatever, uh, 70 years ago and uh, uh, that was considered uh, you know she was much older because even that child has passed away you know and so uh, the child um, was a grown-up old lady even she has passed away but but here's the thing back in those days the thing like that carries such a stigma carried such a shame and so this lady had lived with that for like 70 years all her life since she was 17 Although she was a Christian, she had lived in the shadow of that shame and stigma all her life and she couldn't forgive herself. And as a result, she, although she was, for me, she was a saint, she couldn't believe that even the blood of Jesus would cover that sin and could forgive her that one thing she had done. So anyway, then, but it was always like that. That never changed. And then one day we heard that she, um, she had, I don't know, some kind of brain hemorrhage or something and she had a stroke and she was in a coma. And so she was in a coma for several months and uh, I remember my wife flew up and she was laying in the coma and my wife held her hand and prayed with her and read the scriptures to us because we believe that even when a person is in a coma, uh, as long as that person has breath, can actually hear the word and register the word, the word of God can still work in that person's mind and heart and body so my wife read the word and prayed with her and then she came back and my wife knew this is the last time I've seen her well a month or so later we get a phone call that auntie had passed away and this is how she died there were two two of our relatives who were not believers they were in the room when she died and this is their story they said that she was laying there in a coma you know still like she had done for months, face was totally ashen, when suddenly the color came back to her cheeks and she opened her eyes and she looked up and she put her hands up like this 
and she smiled like she was looking at somebody coming for her and then she just closed her eyes and she was gone. When I heard this, I realized, I thought to myself, what a wonderful way for a person to go. Man, I mean, if I was to go like that, can you imagine? I thought maybe Jesus himself came to take her or he sent some angels to take her. Jesus loved this woman so much that he wouldn't even let her die like everybody else. He had to do something special to show her how loved she was, how accepted she was. And so the angels came to take her and took her home. And this was many years ago. I'm talking about like maybe 30 years back. But I thought to myself, I said, wonderful that she went like that, but what a tragedy. A life that could be filled with testimonies and stories of the glory of God was spent in condemnation and utter condemnation and self-blame because of this one sin she had committed. She was a saintly woman, but there was this one sin she had committed. She thought that sin was so shameful that even the blood of Jesus was not powerful enough to cleanse her from that. My beloved, let not that happen to you. Doesn't matter what you have done, let not that ever happen to you because the scriptures tell us that we have been justified by the blood of Jesus. That means that God has forgotten our sins and we do not have it past anymore. All things are passed away. All things have become new. And the book of Revelation says, see, I have made all things new. Take a hold of that. Let your mind be renewed and walk with Jesus without shame and without fear or guilt or condemnation. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. Bless them and bless their families. Let them walk without guilt or fear or shame or sickness or disease and infirmities. Let them walk as God's people on this earth and let them be blessed by all things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you. I will see you again tomorrow.